1: to Why We Are Here with Empowerment Coach, Energy Healer, and Visionary Author Sharon Rose Washington. Why We Are Here is a portal of heartfelt communication designed to inspire you with expansive words of wisdom, personal insight, and open candor from luminary guests around the world. Now, here's your host, Sharon Rose Washington.
2: Hello and welcome to Why We Are Here. I'm your host, Sharon Rose Washington. You've now entered into that comfortable atmosphere where luminaries from around the world join us to share their contributions, findings, and opinions. My guests today are living examples of true women of empowerment in the field of entertainment. We hear of women in front of the camera, but not often enough are the movers and shakers behind the scenes recognized and celebrated. My guests today are colleagues I've had the pleasure of knowing and working with for many years, editor, producer, director, Margot Ramiro and casting director CEO Jackie Pittman are both great examples of women who have found their own voice and are living out loud creatively in a very competitive business. Margot Ramiro, my first guest, is an independent producer and director in both film and television. Later on, I'll be speaking with Jackie Pittman, CEO of Pittman Casting, one of the most successful casting companies in Hollywood. But for now, Let's focus on my first guest, producer-director Margo Ramiro. Margo, thank you for joining us. Welcome to Why We Are Here. Thank you so much for having me, Sharon. And I'm super
3: excited that I'm sharing a segment with Jackie. I've known Jackie for so many years, and what an honor to be on the same show as her.
2: Well, we're happy to have you. You have a pretty impressive background, and you've worked as an independent producer and director over 100 projects, on over 100 projects What was it like as a kid? Did you know as a young person that creative and business in the entertainment industry was your calling?
3: Oh, That's such a fun question because as a child, I think I wanted to be Marilyn Monroe. (laughs) 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 I was fascinated by the glamour of... The black and white movies, and I was fascinated by by her persona and her command of the screen. And I think that as a child, I really wanted to be a performer. And as I as I went through school, I realized my calling was definitely not in front of the camera. I really loved um, creating organization and budgets and managing the people. And I never thought that was something that I would that I would excel at, but I found that I just, I love being able to help other people create their vision and bring their vision to life. And, um, and yeah, I just, I enjoy everything about the entertainment industry. I feel just so blessed, so, so blessed that I've gotten to work in so many different facets of the industry.
2: Now, currently you're the CEO of blank page entertainment. I like that name. I don't know if you chose it yourself, but tell us about your company and what led you to create your own company.
3: Thank you all for that. I, I create the name myself. Um, the name was derived from my, my belief that every good story starts with a good script. And I really honor and cherish the writers that I get to work with. And, you know, every script starts with a blank page. And if we start with a blank page in everything that we do in life, we have the possibility of creating all kinds of magic. So I, um, I, I had a production company. 10 years prior, um, Montego Films, and we did uh, a handful of independent projects and it was a lot of fun. Then for probably close to a decade, I started working for other production companies and, and really just wanted to kind of gain knowledge from larger companies. I worked on a lot of studio projects and um, just sort of tried to fill in the gaps of the things that I I felt like I still wasn't very proficient at and, um, and just four or five years ago decided to start another production company. I have a, I've partnered with a couple of really amazing producers. Um, James Black being one of them, he and I have partnered on several projects and he's part of my company. Um, Greg Baldwin is also a part of the company. Um, he's done a lot of, uh, Fantastic fundraising and financing for films that we've done. And, uh, and then Terry Washington, who's a recent addition to our company. He's a record producer out of um, Atlanta and he recently joined us and we have a couple of TV shows in development right now at some of the studios so it's been really exciting it's been a really fun journey um, my brother who is an award-winning screenwriter is a part of the company and he and a number of the films we've produced so far and a couple of the films that we have in development so it's been, um, you know it's just been a really great journey.
2: Yeah, I'm familiar with your brother working with you in some of the projects. You're consistent with themes of integrity, and that's one of the things I love about you and love working with you in the past as well. What was it like working on uh, Shark Tank? Because you were were with them for many years.
3: I still work. uh, In fact, I'm at the Shark offices right now. (laughs) Oh, you're still there. (laughs) I I come back a season. I work uh, at Sony Studios for about three months out of the year, um, take a little hiatus from my company. I'm, we're still working on a, a number of things in development, but um, I take a little hiatus for a couple of months and come back to Shark Tank. I've worked with it since the pilot, um, and this is our seventh season. And every year I say, oh, I'm going to be too busy to come back. And every year when they call me, I think, oh, I just love the show. So I really want to go back. It's just a couple of months. I still have evenings and, and weekends to work on the development of my other projects. And so I, I come back every year just because it's a really amazing experience. It's like Working on a show that's sort of the the microcosm of the American dream. You know, we get to watch entrepreneurs' lives change. We get to watch businesses grow. We get to watch people really flourish as small business owners um, as a result of coming on the show. And it's just, it's really a lot of fun.
2: What do you think the success of Shark Tank is? And it's been, I asked you how many years, because it's been a while that you've been with the show.
3: Seven seasons. We're in our seventh season right now, and wow. uh, which equate, equates to about five and a half years. Um, I, I really, truly believe that the success of the show is, it, to me, it is the um, American idol of small businesses. <laughs> it's, it's an opportunity for people who wouldn't normally have a platform to be seen, wouldn't normally be able to get in front of billionaire um, entrepreneurs, uh, billionaire investors, and be able to pitch their company. And I think that the success has really come because everyone in America has a dream. You know, I think that's the same success behind American Idol. Every, You know, everyone has a dream of creating a business or being a star or, you know, getting their voice out or publishing a book or every everyone has a dream, whether they're following it or not, whether they have the courage or the resources or the opportunity to follow it. But everyone, you know, everyone innately has a dream that they would like to see fulfilled. And and I think that what happens on our show is that we get to watch dreams being fulfilled. We get to watch companies start. We get to watch uh, the change in the the face of small businesses in America. I mean, in the last um, seven seasons, we've had about 1,400 companies come and pitch their products on the show or their companies, or their ideas, or their intellectual property. And, uh, you know, of those 1,400 companies, probably, you know, six, 700 of them have gotten funded. And that's a huge, uh, I think, a huge contribution to, to small business in America. And I, I really think that that's the success of the show.
2: Yeah, that's wonderful. One of the things I love about you, Margot, is your attitude. You've got a fantastic attitude. Uh, are you living your dream? Would you say you're living your dream?
3: I think that every day that I get up, I am living my dream. It's so funny. This morning, I actually posted on Facebook my Facebook status. I know I'm probably, you know, too old to be on Facebook, but...
2: (laughs) No, you're not. Oh, my God. Why would you say that?
3: (laughs) I love Facebook. I, I always think it's for kids in their 20s, but I love Facebook. And this morning, I posted on Facebook. My life is so blessed that I'm jealous of myself.
2: Oh, I love it. No, there's a lot of businesses now that are thriving off of Facebook and you know Twitter the social media and everything too. I love what you said. I want to ask you about your current project that you have one of them because I know you have a few. Butterfly what is that all about?
3: Uh, Butterfly is a film that my brother wrote and directed. Um, it's a current project that's out. Um, we have it, it. It has been distributed. It played uh had a limited theatrical run through the Lumley Theaters, and um, we were really blessed to be in the Lumley Theaters. And um, it's now on video on demand, and it's out on Amazon and a number of different um, outlets. But- Butterfly is a it's, a it's a really interesting psychological film about the exploration of um, whether or not revenge is worth the cost, and how what what extent would you go to if you know that someone who you love has been damaged if you were to seek revenge and that's really what the film is about it's a a psychological look at how far would you go to protect someone that you care about and um and edward it was his it was his directorial directorial debut and um he did an amazing job directing the film i i've worked with a lot of first time writer directors as a producer i've had The privilege of of producing probably you know a dozen uh films that have been by first-time writer directors and this was my favorite experience i mean obviously one it's because it was my brother and he's one of my best friends and colleagues but also because he really had a very clear vision of what he wanted for the film and he was so kind and so generous with his actors and his crew that it was it was a real joy to work on
2: wonderful well that runs in the family marco do you is the film industry opening up? Do you feel for women and other ethnic groups to represent their projects and genres?
3: I would love to say yes <laughs> um, I would love to say yes, and I hold the belief that that is happening. I hold the belief that that it's changing um I truly believe that the only way it's going to change is is for all of us who are female filmmakers or female producers or female casting directors or female, you know, radio hosts and, and book authors to continue to put our work out there, to continue to hold the light and to continue to mentor and be an example for and um, encourage young women. Because, you know, statistically, it hasn't really changed. Statistically, about 11% of... Um, producers in the industry are female, um, and it's been that same statistic for, I think, the last decade. Um, mm. So it, it, statistically, it's not changing. However, I, I really think that the, the beauty of all of the different ancillary markets that are opening up, the beauty of being able to pick up a camera and make something of value and put it on a Hulu or put it on a Netflix and all of the different you know outlets for people are creating more opportunities for not only different minority groups but also for um, female filmmakers for you know african american filmmakers for hey. gay and lesbian filmmakers you know for all of the all of the um, I think voices that need to be heard that haven't necessarily had the doors open as easily. So I think that it's, I, I think that it's shifting and I I want to believe that it's shifting and I'm going to continue to hold light that it's shifting. We'll see what happens, you know?
2: Yeah, exactly. It sounds like you feel that social media has changed the way we do business and communication uh, along with you say like Netflix and all of that in the world of entertainment. How has it helped you?
3: It's definitely helped me in creating audiences for films, for sure. You know, I've had an opportunity to um, invite thousands of people to screenings that I wouldn't have had an opportunity to do. I've had an opportunity to, you know, post when we've gotten awards and to constantly, you know, even just the smallest thing like updating my website or updating my LinkedIn or my Facebook page, you know, and -hmm. and letting people know what's going on, letting people know, like, what we're creating. I think that not only does it keep people informed, it helps your audience increase, but it also creates a sense of excitement. You know, people want to... Everyone wants to be around people who are doing things um, that they're excited about, want, want to be around people that are up to something. You know, on the planet, I know I do. And so I think that the more everyone shares about what they're doing. The more Kickstarter campaigns and Indiegogo campaigns and, you know, the more people share about what their passions are and what they're doing, the, the better use of social media for sure.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. Where do you see television industry heading with all that said?
3: I have to say I'm really excited about the um, alternative um, the alternative markets for television, like the Hulus, like the Netflix, like Yahoo TV, because I think that they're really opening up doors for a lot of different voices. And, you know, for a few years, I had gotten very discouraged because, and I work in reality television, so I have nothing against reality television at all. I'm, I'm grateful for it. It's been a, a great living for me for uh, the last decade, but I've, I i have been discouraged. There were so many great stories that needed to be told, so many great voices of writers and actors that weren't being seen and heard because there was a huge boom in reality for a while. And, you know, really the bottom line is is it's cheaper to make reality than it is to make narrative, you know, programming. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of the wave for a while. And I think what's happened is the audiences are coming back around and realizing that they want they want inspirational stories i think that you know the stories that are being made in and especially like venues like you know hbo i i i just applaud them so much they take such risks with their shows and you know they do such daring subject matters and i think that they're really starting to reach out and touch an audience that has been sort of deprived and kind of starving for it and so i think that it's changing i really do i i really excited about like oprah's network you know lifetime is doing more uh programming for women that is empowering more programming that is uplifting and inspirational and less of the you know after school special kind of (laughs) shows you know so i think that it is i definitely think it is changing
2: yeah you've worked with many celebrities and icons in the business is there someone you really loved meeting and working with a story just a brief story you can tell us about um about a person (laughs)
3: Um, you know, I've worked with a lot of people that I've really loved working with. I mean, I, I had the privilege way back when I was first starting my career of working with Carol Burnett, and and um, I worked on her fundraising event with Jimmy Stewart uh, on the mar- the mar- marathon that they were doing, and um, and they were just both amazing and delightful. Um, I've, I've had some really funny. Um, Sort of moments where I've been starstruck and not realized I would be starstruck. You know, <laughs> when I was working on Radio Music Awards, for instance. You know, um, uh, Enrique Iglesias was one of our um, yeah. our uh, stars on the show, and uh, I went to meet him to take him to his uh, media interviews. It was one of the years I was producing the, the Mega Blast for Radio Music Awards, and. When I went to meet him at the elevator, the elevator doors opened, and he was literally so beautiful in person that I couldn't speak. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, every once in a while that happens. I've, but I've, I've had a, an opportunity to work with some really fabulous people over the years, and and um, I, I don't know that I have a favorite. I, I loved working with Mary J. Blige. I've worked on a couple of her music videos. She was amazing. Um I I just feel really blessed. I've I've had an opportunity to work with a lot of really great great people, men and women.
2: Yeah, beautiful. I remember the RMAs. (laughs) I think
3: that's where we met. Is that where we met?
2: That's where we met, yeah. That's a project I brought into William Morris, and then I got a chance to finally meet you, and it was wonderful. We worked together, yeah.
3: That's fantastic. Yeah, that was, wow. It's crazy that that was 15 or 16 years ago. Time flies so fast. And I cherish that we're still friends. I love that we're still friends.
2: Yeah, me too. You've done a lot of giving back. I I want to make sure we mention that, and you've formed or been involved with grassroots nonprofit organizations. Let's talk a little bit about your participation in nonprofit.
3: I love giving back. You know, I always say that when my company is hugely successful, like a Mark Burnett or Sony Studios or -hmm. the people that I get to work with – I, I will write big fat checks. Right now, you know, I, what I can give back is time and energy and, and fundraising efforts and commitment like that. And, uh, and I, I think that if everyone just gave back something on a daily basis, a weekly basis, a monthly basis, we, we would change the face of our community. We would change the face of our city and then our, of our, you know, state and our planet. And it would, you know, there's that ripple effect. So I think that we all have, an obligation to give back and I don't give back out of obligation. I give back because it, so freely my life has been given to me and I have a duty to, to pass it on. I think that you don't keep anything you don't pass on. I really truly believe that. And I I've had opportunities to, um, help, uh, Mayher Kowar, he's an amazing producer, and he and I created an event called Evening with the Stars um back in two thousand and three uh, that benefits the Desi Eastman Foundation. It's a group that raises funds for families with children with cancer. And they fill in the gaps. So they provide things like uh, vans with lifts or extra child care or hotels so that, you know, families can go and be with their child in another city when they're in the hospital. They fill in the gaps where insurance doesn't cover and they help, you know, they cover rent if families need to take time off of work to be with their child. It's a really amazing foundation. And so Mayher and I created Evening with the Stars uh, a decade ago and and um, we've been able to raise like double their Annual operating cost every year, and it's continued on. Um, we both stepped down from the board about five years ago, and it's continued on, and it's now franchised into other cities. And you know that's kind of the founder's dream, right? It it continues on even after you you leave. Um, but we just both. Became so busy that we it was it was a overwhelming task to take on every year, but it was one of the things that I think I'm most proud of. Um, I do a lot of work in the women's jails. I take a lot of um, speakers into the jails to do uh, motivational talks and to try and um, talk to the women about how to turn their lives around, what resources are available for them, how they can start you know their journey to a new um, a new life while they're still behind bars. I've worked with DJ Varat on uh, some programs in the jails and he's uh, written a book that is incredible. And I'm, of course, I'm going to blank on the name of it right now. Um, But he, he turned his life around while you know, behind bars and now is just an outstanding author and, and um, performer and, and an amazing person I've had an opportunity to work with. So, yeah, I've, I've, I've had a lot. I and mean, there's quite a few organizations. I work with a lot of the homeless organizations and the women's shelters downtown in Los
2: Angeles. Wonderful. So what a beautiful heart, Margot, that you have. We have a few questions sent in to Sharon at whywearehere.info. Are you ready to answer a few questions from our listening audience? Excellent. I'm excited. Okay. Our first question is from Laurel K. Laurel's from New Jersey. She wants to know if you can give her any tips to help her get her film noticed. And she says, are there any film festivals or programs of entry that are easy to apply into and will make it worthwhile her career?
3: Wow, if she's in New Jersey, the first thing I would suggest is enter the Garden State Film Festival because it is an outstanding venue. I had a film there two years ago, and it ended up getting... um recognized from the Garden State Film Festival, and we ended up showing at Man's Chinese in Los Angeles, which was a dream come true for me and for my producer. Um, It was a film I directed called The Reincarnation of Frank, and we had so much fun doing it. Garden State Film Festival is a great one. I I would suggest, um, and this probably isn't what any filmmaker wants to hear, but unless you have an extraordinary film that has some major talent in it and... Exceptional production value. It's a waste of money to enter the larger festivals. Um, they're very political, and they're just political because of the numbers of entries that they get. You know, um, they are looking for star power. They want celebrities to show up at the screenings and because it's how they engage people. So I would stay away from some of the larger festivals, but things like the Chicago Underground Festival or the Los Angeles Film Festival, which is a large festival but really celebrates independent film, is a great one. The San Francisco Film Festival, um, South by Southwest, those are some of the big festivals that still have a real independent flair, um and and start with entering some of the smaller festivals you know there's a really fun festival in las vegas called the polygrind festival i've had a couple of films play there and um and and the santa barbara film festival in Los in uh, california and they really encourage um young filmmakers new filmmakers you know there's so many resources now. I, I, there, there's a lot of resources. And, you know, put, it, put together a good trailer, or a good teaser, and blast it everywhere on social media to get some attention. Send it to a couple of independent bloggers or reviewers and see if you can get some press. We did that with Butterfly. We sent our film out to a couple of indie bloggers that gave us just stellar reviews. And that was really how we started our journey.
2: Okay, we're going to move on to the next question. We're going to cut it real brief. We've only got a couple minutes left here. So okay. uh, next next question is from Rainy D. Rainy's from Wisconsin, and uh, she's recently moved to Hollywood. She wants to know, in doing work in entertainment, how does she keep from being jaded? And she says she wants to stay in love with what she wants to do while dealing with so much rejection.
4: Oh.
3: I think that that has to start, it just has to start in your heart and in an attitude of gratitude. You know, every single day, no matter what I'm doing, I start my day with thank you. I start my day with gratitude. I, I, as, as I you know, drive up to the Sony lot in the morning, I will say thank you so much to the universe. Thank you that I get to show up on the lot. Thank you so much that I have this amazing job. Thank you that I have this opportunity to work on the number one show on ABC. You know, thank you for getting me through this day and allowing me to be of service. You know, it, for me, I really feel like if I have an attitude of gratitude and if I constantly walk into any situation and realize my only job there is to be of service, to be of service to the project. If I'm the producer, I'm being of service to the director to get his vision or her vision done. If I'm, you know, directing, I'm being of service to the actors to allow them a place to really flourish. You know, no matter what capacity you're in, it doesn't matter if, if you're a production assistant or you're an act, you know, an actress trying to make her way into Hollywood. Be of service when you show up, have an attitude of gratitude, you know, smile and tell people thank you and, and know that every single step of the way, every single experience is going to benefit you in the long run. Everything you learn, everything you do is going to just give you one more tool so that when you get to the top, you will remember how to treat the people that are starting out.
2: That's great advice. Margo, why are you here? Because I ask, why are we here? Why are you here?
3: I think that my answer has to be a spiritual one. I feel like my only job in life is to bring joy. I have a mantra that I say to myself all the time, and it comes from a silly little song that I learned when I was a child, but I constantly say, this little light of mine, let it shine. I really feel like my entire purpose on the planet and in this lifetime is to bring light, to bring joy to whatever situation I walk into.
2: Wonderful. And it is shining. I have a question I ask all of my guests. I'm in love with the Matrix movies. Do you take the red pill or the blue pill?
3: Ooh. Can you tell me what the pills mean? No. <laughs> 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 that would be my answer, <laughs>
2: okay, okay I,
3: I would say I would say i um knowing me, I probably would dig both of them, <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> because I don't want to ever miss any opportunity
2: <laughs> okay, great, well, Margot, thank you so much for coming on why we are here.
3: Thank you so much for having me, Sharon. What a delight, and I just adore you and i'm I feel so honored to have been a part of this.
2: Same here. We're going to have to take a break for a commercial, but if you'd like to reach us at Voice America's Why We Are Here to let us know what's on your heart and mind, then kindly email us at Sharon at whywearehere.info. In the meantime, you'll find me on Twitter at Sharon Isis Rose. And please go to IsisRoseCreations.com on the contact page to share with us your take on why we are here. And sign up to win a few gifts and prizes for being such a great listener. Margot Romero has generously given us a few DVDs to send to a few of our lucky listeners. And thank you for that, Margot. We'll be right back with my next guest, powerful mover and shaker, casting director Jackie Pittman. Everyone please stay tuned for the following announcement.
4: Change your world. Change your life.
3: VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com.
1: Wouldn't you love to experience formidable personal transformational changes to highly benefit your life and those around you? Do you want to eradicate anything holding you back from living with focused clarity in a harmonious lifestyle of the highest of intent, vitality, and abundant well-being? Empowerment coach, energy healer, and visionary author Sharon Rose Washington is here to assist you in the revolution of your evolutionary self. In these unpredictable times, it is important to connect with one's own pure inner power base of expansive creativity heightened intuition, and radiant fulfillment. To contact visionary Sharon Rose Washington for information or to make an appointment, call 323-960-5167 or email Sharon at whywearehere.info for a free introductory consultation. For immediate empowerment coaching and energetic transformational healing services, please call 866-231-HEAL. That's 866-231-HEAL. It's time to celebrate the joyful life of the authentic origin you were meant to live.
2: Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
4: Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change.
0: Succeed.
1: Welcome back to Why We Are Here with empowerment coach, energy healer, and visionary author, Sharon Rose Washington. If you have a question about the program or would like to share a comment, please send an email to Sharon at whywearehere.info. That's Sharon at whywearehere.info. Now, back to the show.
2: Hello. Welcome back. I'm your host, Sharon Rose Washington. Joining us now on Why We Are Here is Jackie Pittman, CEO and founder of Pittman Casting Agency. Pittman Casting Agency specializes in nationwide competitive reality, docu-series, occupational casting, in-studio game shows, dating shows, host and corporate video or promotional and commercial casting. And Jackie's one of my favorite people in the whole wide world, and it's a treat to have her here today with us. Welcome, Jackie Pittman, to Why We Are Here.
4: Hi how are you? Thank you so much for having me as a guest.
2: I'm fine. How early on did you want to be in the entertainment industry?
4: Oh, my God. I think when I was a little girl watching television, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. Originally, I wanted to be an entertainment attorney. And then I realized that was kind of boring and probably decided after that. And so I think by the time I graduated from high school, I kind of knew I wanted to be in entertainment. I just didn't know what capacity.
2: Yeah, yeah, because we met in college. Actually at yeah. The radio Yeah, Kiss Radio, right?
4: Yeah, so, exactly. Way back in the day I was an intern.
2: Yeah. I worked for Rick <laughs> as his production assistant. That's like some time ago, huh?
4: That's right. That's right. Yeah. You no, gave no. me my first you gave me my first production assistant job. Oh.
2: You remembered that? Oh, thank you. I did. Thank you. Well, tell us how your career began, you know, from, say, that point and led you to being one of the most sought-out casting companies in Hollywood, in the business.
4: Oh, my goodness. Okay. I'll try to truncate it a little bit because it takes us back a while. Um, I... I actually physically, uh, my first internship was for Rick Dees. I was his very first intern at KISS-FM when he, he was at the height of his career pretty much. So it was an amazing opportunity to be an intern there, and that's how I met you. Uh, you then gave me my first television production assistant job on a show called Frankly Female, which was a public affairs program on KHJ at the time, which is Channel 9 locally. Um, from there, I was still in college, and I ultimately graduated from college. I put myself through school uh, working in import-export, which is a completely unrelated field. And uh, <laughs> when I graduated from college, decided I needed to stop working two and three jobs to survive, and I needed to <laughs> actually get a job in the field I was majoring in, which was radio, television, and film. And yeah. my very first job was in casting for the television show Love Connection, which was a dating show. And um, I worked there for like two and a half years with Chuck Woolery. Yeah? <laughs> and <proceeded>, yeah. <laughs> and proceeded to um, my next job was for a TV show called Studs. <laughs> there is a theme here, dating shows. Um, and I was a casting exec there. And then from there, I met top executives at Fox, and went into development, and then became a development exec for Howard Schultz, the late Howard Schultz, yeah, who remember. is a, a top uh, television production executive. Uh, he's created many, many shows, and he basically took me under his wing. He was my mentor, and he taught me everything I know about developing television. I was his development exec for over 15 years, and in that period of time, I executive produced um, Co-executive produced the television show Extreme Makeover with the plastic surgery. Um, I created and executive produced a television show Next for MTV and a myriad of other shows. Uh, And then in 2008 or 2007, I pretty much started my own casting company. I left television development and got into my own casting company because that's where I originated. And that takes me to where I am today.
2: You've been casting for the hit show Face Off on Sci-Fi for a few years. How fun is that, Jackie? That is
4: amazing. It's a I this is our 10th season. We just finished casting our 10th season. It's the highest-rated show on Sci-Fi. And it's amazing because I love horror movies and I had always wanted to my 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 initial as a kid, I wanted to work in horror movies. So to actually now work on a show with talented artists who create those images that you see in horror and sci-fi is like a a kid's dream come true. Even though I'm on the casting side, I meet these talented artists who, you know, have been in the business for a long time or who have just started the business and give them an opportunity to win $100,000 in a car and make their name a household name. Um, So it's a very fulfilling show for me.
2: Yeah, it's a great show. I love it, actually. What are some of the pros and cons of casting?
4: Um, well, uh, from the, the behind the scenes, I, I wouldn't find many cons for me as a casting director. Um, I think it's, you know, it's great. I actually get to meet so many people from all walks of life. Um, Uh, people who have made their careers in their own life and I'm able to aid them into becoming household names by putting them on television shows about their career or people who just want their 15 minutes of fame or people who've wanted to host Um, or people who've just wanted to be on a game show and win some money. So my job actually is fun. I get to meet a lot of people. And at the end of the day, in most cases, when they're done, being put on shows that I've helped cast them into they're happy and they're got a little bit more money in their pocket so it's an upside for me as a casting director
2: you're a very positive uh, individual and it just sounds like so much fun what you do
4: it is it's a lot of fun you know and I think on the other side for people who want to be on television you need to figure out why you want to be there (laughs) if there's a positive on the other side for you to where you can benefit from it after your stay on television has, you know, ended.
2: Yeah. I, I asked Margot about, um, the diversity, uh, if it's becoming more diverse and more open for women and, and different ethnic groups. Do you think television film, uh, programming becoming more diverse?
4: I actually believe it is. Um, I know, when you look at, you know, movies like Selma and you, you sort of in film and you start talking about there's not enough black actors in various things or in television, but diversity doesn't just cover being black. It's, you know, it's women, it's 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 your sexual orientation, um, it's Latin, it's Asian. My job as a casting director in majority of the shows that I have done, it is extremely important for me to make sure that various um groups of people are represented, Uh, women, um, African-Americans, Asian, Latin. I try when I do face-off, just for instance, it's really important for me to make sure that people see like people on the shows that I cast. So I try really, really hard. Sometimes, you know, it's not always possible. But in majority of the shows that I cast, we definitely have diversity. And a lot of times, too, it's a mandate from the networks.
2: Yeah. You, you travel the globe to cast shows. What's been the most rewarding uh, in your career? Can you think of something in casting?
4: Um, wow. That's, that's, that's an interesting question. Um, I honestly believe the most rewarding show I ever worked on was probably Extreme Makeover with the plastic surgery. Now, mind you, I was the co-executive producer of that show, and I helped develop that show, but one of my jobs also was to oversee the casting director of that show. and. What I found is the various people that we selected for the show were people who in a million years did not want to be on television. They would run from the cameras because they didn't feel that they were attractive enough or they were shy and embarrassed by their looks for whatever reason. And we were able to, um, and and I look. I don't say plastic surgery is the end all be all for everybody, but I would say in this particular instance, we chose people who were quite deserving of it. We would help them, and all of a sudden. Because we selected them for the show and because they went through the process, their life was forever changed. And I would cry many, many times in the edit bay just because I, I was so happy for them and that I was able to have a hand in it some yeah.
2: kind of way. That's beautiful, Jackie. On that note, uh, let's talk about some of your mentors. And uh, I know you have one person in particular that we want to mention mm-hmm. that have made a difference in your career and, and opportunities you've had.
4: Howard Schultz, um, he recently passed away at the end of December, but he's someone you probably recognize from the various shows that you've seen on television. He created Extreme Makeover with the plastic surgery. He created the crazy show Dating Naked, (laughs) (laughs) which is on VH1 running right now. He created the television show for Fox called The Moment of Truth, which was people strapped to a lie detector for five hundred thousand dollars and they would reveal truths about themselves. He has a show that's on the air called right now, um, Labor Pains, which is on TLC. Oh my god. And that's his. That's his? That's his. Oh my god. Yeah. And he, you know, he and he has a show on M T V called Are You the One? Mm -hmm. He created a lot of television. Um uh just groundbreaking television, and I am one of few people on this planet that he took under his wing. I was the very first one, in fact, but that he took under his wing and taught so much to. He treated me like a I was a sponge. I just soaked up his knowledge, and he unfortunately left us in January, and my heart breaks every day because it's mm-hmm. It was so powerful, our relationship. He was just a good man, but he was extremely creative, brilliant, a brilliant yeah. mind, gone way too soon. So I will forever be thankful and grateful that I had a chance to had a brush of greatness with him over the years.
2: And what was interesting, one of the things at the memorial uh, that I attended and, and you spoke and, and a lot of people were there, I had no idea that in Chicago, as a young man... Howard interned for uh, Steve Edwards.
4: Yes, yes. He and Steve Edwards are great friends. Steve is his um, was the godfather to a couple of his children. Yeah, Steve Edwards. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, Jackie. What motivates you? Oh wow! (laughs) What motivates me? That's a good question. I, I think I'm motivated by people, um, and I think it makes sense since I started in casting and have ended up in casting. I'm motivated by the people I meet, and um, the relationships I forge with people. I have friends in my life that I met thirty years ago, and <laughs> ten years ago, and then. When I got married, I had 14 bridesmaids, <laughs> So oh, and you were yeah. one of them. Yes, <laughs> and, um, you know, so I, I'm motivated by people. They drive me. Um, I think that's why I'm here. <laughs> yeah, that's people. beautiful. Yeah, my relationship with people.
2: Yeah. We have a few questions sent in to Sharon at whywehere.info. Are you ready for a few questions from our listeners? Of course. Okay, fantastic. Our first question is from Basil K. Basil is from Springfield, Illinois, and he wants to know what is something casting agents look for that's essential uh, for being in front of the camera? He's an actor model.
4: One of the things that people look for is that you are able to be yourself. Uh, The biggest mistake I find, whether you're modeling or you want to be a host or you just want to be on TV, Uh, In a commercial, people come in and they think we want to see something other than themselves. We want to see the real you smile. We want to see the real you walk. We want to see the real you talk. We want to see your personality. And from your personality, we will love you. And if we can't fit you into whatever project it is that we're casting for at that moment, you can be sure when you leave the room that we will remember you and we will think of you for something else that best suits you.
2: Yeah, that's great. That's uh, great information there and it shows how real you are too, Jackie, you know? Yeah. Where you're yeah. yeah, where you're coming from. Yeah. The next question is from Helena. Helena's from Manchester, England, and Helena wants to know how real reality programming is. Uh, and are most shows scripted? She says she she was asked to be in a Bravo network show and it was scripted but not in her favor so she chose not to do the show?
4: Hmm. I think it really depends on the show that you're looking to be a part of. One of the things you have to understand is reality, as crazy as it sounds, reality doesn't just happen. <laughs> it doesn't just happen for television. We, um, there's very few shows that you could just let the camera roll for 24 hours and see what happens. If you were to come into my office and decide you want to do a reality show around my casting office, and you rolled it for the next 24 hours, nothing would happen. I'd come in, I'd sit down at my desk, I'd work, I'd talk to a few people, and I'd leave and go home. <laughs> However, if you were to, if I know that we're doing a reality show, producers will then create scenarios for me to make things happen. Um, and it's not like tell me what to say. They just create a scenario. So they may say, okay, Jackie, today you're going to cast for this commercial. So all of a sudden, now I've got 30 people coming into my office, whereas today I may not normally have that happen. But they've created a scenario where I'm casting for a particular commercial so that you can see what's happening. So for shows like Survivor, which is a reality show, um, you can't just put people on the island and let the cameras roll and see if they eat each other. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. However, what they create are games for them to play. They create scenarios where they have to work for food or, you know, challenges for immunity. So you create. You create a tentpole of a situation to happen, and you put them in that situation, and then you see how they thrive in that situation. That's how you get to reality. And I think some people look at it as scripted that way, but it's not necessary. Well, what is scripted is most of the time it's the host when he's doing the intros and the outs of the show. But the rest is they create a scenario for people to survive and see what
2: happens in that scenario. Yeah, so it's like they have a cause that they put out there and then they watch everybody be effects, so the cause. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Okay, Michael P. is from San Pedro, California, and Michael P. wants to know, uh, do you have an internship program with your company and what is the criteria?
4: I've had many interns come and go through here. Um, One is you have to get uh, credit through your university, so whatever college you're working at, um, you come in. You, if they have an internship program, and then you come in and you, you know, you get set hours and you come in and work. And I've hired several of my interns after college, where they've come in, they worked with us on various shows, and then they left, graduated, and moved back two weeks later, and have been working in the industry for years since then. So, um, yeah, we we definitely have internships.
2: Wonderful. Here's a question from Anthony L. Anthony is from Lake Charles, Louisiana, and Anthony wants to know what's the weirdest casting job you've ever been asked to cast and also do you cast dogs and other animals or just people? <laughs>
4: I wish I could cast dogs and animals. I have yet to I have yet to cast dogs and animals. I have worked with animal trainers though. Um, okay, here's a very interesting uh, this is probably the craziest I've ever been asked. And it's it's a little bit morbid, but it's not really. I was cast I was asked to cast a show for Nagio. Um that was looking for people who were terminally ill, who were interested in being mummified and put into the Smithsonian for 10 years on display after they've gone through the Egyptian mummification process. The reason for it, you know, it sounds a little crazy, but it really wasn't. It was really like someone donating their body to science and because The Egyptian mummification process has never been duplicated and they don't know exactly how to do it And for the body to remain preserved for so long without being embalmed. So scientists were trying to find subjects who were willing to undergo that process and to put them in the Smithsonian for 10 years on display um, and then afterwards be returned to their families. So You would actually be helping science, but it was... (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
2: Well, it would at least be a 10-year-run show, huh? (laughs) That was the strangest show I was ever asked to cast. Wow. Okay, we have one more question, Jackie. It's from Rakim M. Mm. He is from Tacoma, Washington. He wants to know, have you ever discovered anyone and been responsible for an actor or reality show star's breakout success? And he says, is there a possible future for someone who's an actor but decides to go reality TV to break in?
4: That's a very good question. Um, yes, I have. one of, <laughs> I don't know if you know, Chris Hardwick. Yeah. Chris Hardwick is the host of Talking Dead. And, you know, he had his own talk show at one point. He was the host of Singled Out and multiple other shows on television. Um, he's stand-up comic. Chris was a contestant on my dating show that I did way back in the uh, 90s called Studs. And um, he was a contestant on that show. I was a casting director at MTV after that show. And they were looking for a young, irreverent host type person who was really smart, who was funny, and knew trivia. And Chris was a bit of an enigma, and I met him as a contestant on the dating show. And I had him coming in to play the game because it was a trivia game show called Trash at the time. I had him come in and play the game, and then I convinced the producers to give him an audition as a host for the show because he was better than all the other hosts that we were trying out on the show. And oddly enough, he got cast as the host of Trash, and that was his launch um, at MTV as the host of Trash, and then he became the host of Singled Out, and he's gone on, and you see him on Talking Dead every Sunday.
2: Wonderful. Jackie, what's your take on why we're here?
4: Um, wow, you know i'm a I feel we are here this is kind of spiritual, but I feel we are here as spiritual beings living a human experience. Um, I don't necessarily feel we're here uh, to learn anything other than experience life itself yeah um I I feel that we can be and do anything we set our minds to. I grew up as a foster kid years ago, and if you were to ask the little girl when she was a foster kid back in the day if she was where I am currently right now, I would never have imagined it happening, but I also never let that hold me back. So I believe My entire life has been an ultimate experience, and I'm here to help other people. And that's probably why I'm a great casting director, not to toot my own horn, but to help Mm -hmm. other people experience life as well.
2: Yeah, you're great at it. Now, I'm in love with the Matrix movies, and I have one question Mm -hmm. that I ask every guest. Mm -hmm. Do you take the red pill or the blue pill?
4: (laughs) Well, I love the Matrix, too. And I think the red pill stands for, like, horrible truth of reality, and the blue pill stands for um, the illusion of what of life is. Mm-hmm. And I'm a firm believer that the blue pill is where I live. Um, because I think think we create our own reality. I don't think there's a truth of reality. I don't think one person's truth is another person's truth of reality. I think it's all an illusion, and it is whatever it is you create, and that's probably why I'm in this industry as well.
2: Well, Jackie, thank you so much (laughs) for joining us on Why We Are Here.
4: Thank you, Sharon.
2: And now for my final thought. I'd like to thank my luminary guest today, producer, director, editor, Margo Ramiro, and producer, casting agent extraordinary, CEO, Jackie Pittman. Both women have dedicated their time and energy in working in one of the toughest areas of business, the television and motion picture entertainment industry. Rarely is a dream or goal realized easily and effortlessly without delays, problems, or hurdles, and both women today can attest to this. Their hard work, perseverance, focus, integrity, and dedication to their craft is what they have used to build meaningful careers. We all have to take a moment to pause in wonder and to pontificate on why we are here. No life is meaningless, no breath is wasted. We are all a beautiful, intricate part of creation making life happen. Remember the kingdom queendom lies within. Stay rooted in mother earth and lifted by father sky as you continue to walk side by side in gratitude with the ancestors and angels. Please keep me in your heart and I promise to always keep you in mine. Have an enchanting evening. I'm your host, empowerment coach, healer, and visionary author, Sharon Rose Washington.
1: We hope you've enjoyed listening to visionary author, Sharon Rose Washington, and her insightful luminary guest. Please join us for another powerfully transformative show next Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on Why We Are Here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For questions, information, and appointments, Sharon can be reached at Sharon at WhyWeAreHere.info. Or for direct empowerment coaching and healing, call 866-231-HEAL. That's 866-231-H-E-A-L.
0: Keep your life.